All right, let's go Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the text up on the screens behind me in just a little bit. We also have some physical Bibles scattered around the room in the little racks beneath the seats. If you don't own a Bible of your very own, we invite you to take that physical one home. The reason for that is incredibly simple. I say it every week, but I say it every week for a reason. Um, we believe that God uses his word for all kinds of important things, but chief among those really awesome important things is that he uses it to reveal himself to his people. We want you to know God. We want everything in, about, and around your life to be shaped by knowing of Him, uh, knowing Him, and uh, well, it, it, like we want, we want that to be true in your life. That your life is defined by, uh, measured by, uh, <laughs> made sense by uh, knowing Him. And so the scriptures are what He uses. Do the math. Go chasing him in the scriptures. Uh, I'll call it a good day. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible of your own, take that one. Um, if you have been here longer than twelve months. Uh, if you've been here longer than 12 months, this is not going to be a new thing for you. If, however, uh, you have not been here for 12 months now, uh, if you are brand new to the awkwardness that is Nashville Baptist Church, um, then I need to explain just a little bit. Today is the very first Sunday of the year. We managed to hit the nail right on the head in 2023. I, we couldn't have done a better job of just nailing the first day. Um, and so uh, and th- that means the same thing for us every single year, the first Sunday of the year. Uh, the State of the Church Address, all right, is what we like to call it. Uh, there are things, uh, all kinds of things, it seems, that, that mark the beginning of a new year in our culture. Uh, we're all kind of familiar with them. There's always this feeling of freshness and revi- uh, re- renewal, revival. Uh, new things are, are started. Love them or hate them. There is a very real reason why resolutions are a thing. Like some of us absolutely just, just despise resolutions, but you can't get around the fact that it just feels natural to do them right now right? Uh, and so there's a reason why resolutions are a thing. Uh, you've, got, you've got the holiday season winding down. If last, this last week wasn't a normal work, for, work week for you, like this next week definitely will be, all right? Uh, and so as a collective culture, this right now, this week, today, kind of this weekend is kind of the season on the calendar where we all take this giant collective step back into what we would consider to be the regular rhythms of life, Right? It's, it's the game we play. It also seems we do it with this ingrained sense that, well, you know, I can tweak this, and I can make a little more concerted effort there, and everything, if I add some extra effort, man, this year will be better than last year, right? Don't we all kind of feel that deep in our bones? Maybe you don't, I don't know. Now, we, we all kind of get the sense that this will be the year that we reach our potential, right? And or get over the hump and or achieve fill in the blank. And so resolutions get drafted up and noble sounding promises get made and Planet Fitness gets a surge in memberships, right? That they can keep charging you eight months after you stop going. It's great. Some of you are like two and a half years into paying for a membership you never use. All right. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Repeatedly failed resolutions may be discouraging. Like nobody, nobody debates that. Nobody wants to see the string of things that you failed to meet expectation-wise last year. Repeated failed exp- uh, resolutions can be discouraging, but they don't, at the same time, they don't nullify the good things that can be leveraged and achieved by making a concerted effort to get better at stuff. Like, Those two things don't have to be married to one another. Even failed targets in needed areas of growth are still valuable growth. And just like we can resolve to aim at good things individually, it is equally true 
that we can resolve to aim at good things as a body called the church, as a church family. And so do you think there's some things around here that would be valuable for us to grow in? I do. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me not to see those. Like, like I spend my, my week looking at them all the time. And so another reality of flipping the calendar in the, to the brand new year, at least in our American context, is the, the State of the Union address for the, you know, the, the one that the president gives in front of the joint session of Congress, all that kind of stuff. At least it used to be something that always happened at the beginning of the year. It used to always be the last Tuesday of January, uh, sometimes maybe the first week of February. Uh, last year they pushed it all the way into March, and I checked yesterday. They haven't scheduled it yet for this year, so we'll see what happens. All right. Um, but no matter what occurs, um, it's hard to find something as polarizing as the State of the Union address, right? And I'm not talking politics, all right? That, that's polarizing, yeah, but just throwing it out there, just lobbing the idea of sitting down to watch the State of the Union address is polarizing. I have two degrees in political science. It is a popcorn event for me, all right? I understand how all the parts move. I understand what's going on. My wife, however, would rather chew off her left arm than be forced to sit down and watch it. You can ask her later. She's tried, all right? The grandstanding, the posture, the incessant applause breaks, the having to read between the lines of what is said versus what isn't said. Like, we all see how the game is played. It's, it's, it's not an enjoyable evening for Katie. Circus, I think, is probably the only correct word to use to define it. It's a circus. But here's the deal. If you ignore all the gamesmanship, if you ignore the theatrics, um, if you kind of pull it back to its intended design and purpose. Uh, like if you ignore the politics for just a second, it's actually nothing more than a good leadership move. Like think about the, the, what's going on there. You get everybody important in the same room and you have a little chat about how the year went. And then after that, you try to cast big vision for the year ahead. Like, that's a good thing. That's an incredibly good thing. If you look past the politics for a second, it's nothing more than a good leadership move. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I, we got everybody in the same room. We got a bunch of people in here. And we're usually pretty good at, at you know, like avoiding the whole politics angle. Like, that's something that doesn't burden us most of the time, the nonsense. And so I think that we can leverage good leadership moves dreamt up by other people for our own purposes today. I think that's the game that we can play. So, so the question is, well, how did the year 2022 go? And the honest answer is really well. It went really well, at least according to what we were aiming for. If you remember, I stood up on this platform last year, and I said that I believe that our church needed to pursue a few things, and they all, all of them uh, were within the general theme of honoring and emulating our past while taking new steps of faithfulness that were consistent with who God has called us and created us to be. And I know I just said a lot of things at once, all right? So what does that mean? Here's the gist. It's, it's, it was time last year to take new steps of growth, but to do so without changing who we are. That's what we aimed for last year. And we specifically highlighted three areas of attention. The first was our anniversary celebra celebration last summer. Remember that? It's been a while since, Jan since July, right? Um, 50 years as a church family. And if you're not paying attention, that's a big deal. There's a lot of churches in New that aren't 50 years old. 
There's a lot of churches that are way more than 50 years old, though. They're, they're, we, th- we threw a big party this summer. Uh, we invited a bunch of old family members back in for the affair. Uh, th- there are churches in New England that predate the revolution. But Southern Baptist work largely does not. Like, we're one of the old churches in our little network family of churches. 50 years makes us one of the old guys. And so we threw a party. We, we invited people in. And we, we had a bunch of food. And we... we we just had this grand celebration, and, and my personal assessment is that the weekend went really, really good, right? I don't know if you remember all the way back to July 4th weekend, but we literally honored our past in the effort. We pointed to and celebrated what, what God has done, and then after that, we pointed to and celebrated a bunch of people that he used in what he did there. I think it was a good time. And... And we managed to do it all without stepping outside of our personality as a church. I don't know if you noticed, but that party had a distinctively Nashua Baptist kind of simplicity to it. We were consistent with who we are as we honored our past and take new steps. We kind of hit the nail right on the head. We nailed it. Good job, guys. We also couldn't have pulled it off without the committee that worked really hard to put it all together, most of whom were folks that have been around for a big chunk or if not all of those 50 years. Ones who could help us figure out the history. Ones who maintained relationships with a lot of people who moved off a long time ago. And what it proved to me, what it proved to me is that we're going we're gonna to need some younger folks in this room right now to commit right now to being here for the next 25 years so that in 2047, they're around to be on that next committee. All right? Who wants to be it? <laughs> um, maybe God will be good to us and bless us another 25 years. I'd be okay with that. I'm excited for what God has done here, and I'm just as excited, maybe more excited for what He seems planning and willing to do. It'll be a good day. In addition to our anniversary celebration, we announced a special project through our Harvest Day offering to uh, fix the lights in this room. If you remember, we, we asked you to maybe prayerfully contribute extra above and beyond your normal giving so we can knock out a project. The lights are kind of a problem, the, flu- the fluorescence. They need to, to be replaced. And just for uh, as an update on that project, uh, budget is funded and we're currently on the waiting list for being scheduled either this month or next month probably uh, for, you know, the, the, for them to actually come in and install the lights. So there is a light at the end of, of the tunnel, pun intended. I got Ha-ha. <laughs> but listen, if, if you don't remember, if you don't remember the context that came wrapped in last year, I, I apologized to you. I apologized uh, last year for, for worrying more about uh, the annoyance of the lights. You can hear the buzz just a little bit, not much, but just a little bit. They flicker. Sometimes they don't work at all very well. I apologize to you last year for worrying more about the annoyance of the lights than whether or not people could see their Bibles well during the sermon. Remember that? I had allowed the annoyance of the lights to cut the legs out from under something else that we hold up as more valuable here. And that was wrong. It was bad leadership on my part. So true to our personality, we promised to to prioritize the the correct thing to prioritize. And and so uh, since then, we've been flipping the lights on during sermon time. And just ignoring the annoyance. And um, here we are a year later. The lights are still a problem. They, they just are. They will be fixed soon. But you know what I haven't heard in a calendar year? A single person complain about the lights. 
not a one. Like, I don't know if they're flickering less or making less noise than they used to, or God has just guarded our hearts from being annoyed by them. Whatever it is, I haven't had a single person say, Steve, we really got to hurry up on, speed that project along, boy. Nobody's complained about the lights. We've been okay. Whatever it is, I think God gets the credit for protecting us, right? In a really simple way, he's protected us from becoming who we don't want to be. And I don't know about you, but I want as much of that in my life as I can get, right? A third and final thing we highlighted last year was the formal call to change, uh, to kind of take the next step of changing our leadership structure to an elder-led model. We had been talking about it for much longer than that, but it was time to you know, formally, officially hit the go button. And so we called our church to lots of prayer. We began equipping you with resources that you can use in your own personal Bible study. Uh, fast forward a year, uh, fast forward through the year, uh, I preached a sermon on Titus, which specifically addresses elders. Uh, we held several town hall Q&As. And then finally, we voted to shift our stuff back in November. We formally made the change in our documents, and so apparently we got elders now, however that works, right? And as a church, we, man, we collectively said, okay, okay, this is what the Bible is teaching, and so I'm here for it. I got questions, I got concerns, but I want to do what the Bible calls us to do. This is what I see. Let's do it. I think that's an incredibly healthy step. So what's next? Well, phase two is to actually identify, assess, and then raise up one or two men from among our church family to serve as elders. And so just like last year, keep praying. We need it. Keep praying. If you think you know someone who meets the biblical qualifications of an elder, I want to know about it. We want to begin the process of assessing them and, and presenting them to you as soon as we can. And so looking back, on the year 2022, right? Looking back on, on the things that we formally held up as resolutions for our church, things that we were gonna chase after, aim for, all of those things, try to grow in. Man, church, last year was a really good year. It was a really good year. Are there things that didn't go as well as we hoped they would? Absolutely. Are there metrics and things, that uh, ambitions that we had that we didn't get all the way quite there on? Yep. Long list of them, actually. God's been so good to us. He's been so good to us. And so each year we make the intentional effort in this moment to stop and acknowledge His provision. Instead of trying to pat ourselves on the back for some good things we did, to stop and thank Him for not only carrying us through the year, but blessing us immensely. So let's do that. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for the hand that you have clearly had on our faith family, our church, this past calendar year. The, the moment we stop and pay attention to thing after thing after thing that you have done, the more impressed I am. I'll confess, like, I, I get in my own little head and I speed on past to the next thing and I fail to thank you for just how you've held us together. Thank you. Maybe, maybe help me do a better job this year of paying attention to how you're actively holding us together. God, thank you for the things that we get to celebrate yet this year. It's not by our doing. It's not because we're smart enough or creative enough or agile enough. It's because you are good. And you give good gifts to your children. We love you. 
Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. So you ready to ready to look at what I think God would have in store for us to chase after in 2023? It's always super creative and visionary, right? You ready for it? Matthew 28. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. It's a text we're familiar with. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so it's a text that we look at every single January. Uh, There are people in this room right now who can mark down today, like this morning, as the sixth time that you have watched me stand on this stage on the first Sunday of the year and preach this text. Next year, you get a set of steak knives. It's great. An obvious question that an obvious question is, why would we keep running back here? Why would we keep returning to this text? I mean, as on the day that's been identified as the day to cast big vision and big dreams for the year ahead, why would we keep running back to this text? Why is, why is Matthew 28 the big vision text for us? Well, the answer is simple. Unbelievably simple, actually. You ready for it? Because King Jesus' command always has and always will be the thing that dictates our vision and direction as his people. Period. I'll say that again because it matters. King Jesus' command has always been and always will be what dictates our vision and direction as his people. Regardless of any other activity, any other metric thing we might want to claim and measure for ourselves, anything we might hold up as successful, regardless of any other thing that somebody outside of here might claim as, as, as valuable or measurable or successful, actual success, the only thing that actually matters on an eternal scale, it begins and it ends with obedience to what King Jesus has commanded of us if you're not familiar with the context of matthew 28 it's it's occurring after jesus's death and resurrection so the eternal son of god put on flesh and dwelt among us right like we just we just got through christmas season we got that one locked down right the the eternal son of god has dwelt with us emmanuel Woo! We, like y'all could rattle that off all day long you got it locked down and so uh but we also said over and over and over again all advent long all christmas season long that the baby came for a divine purpose right jesus lived sinlessly He died sacrificially, he was raised victoriously, and now, as God in resurrected flesh, the one who just added conquering Satan, sin, and death to his resume, he's got a few things going on for himself. He gathers his followers together on a hillside and says, listen boys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If you're keeping score at home, that's all the authority that can be claimed. There's no competing authority here. There's no higher authority here. There's no comparative authority here that can stand up and say, you know, Jesus, that's a really great plan, but I think I disagree with you. It's a great idea, but I mean, this here's a democracy, and I don't think you got the votes. It's quite an impressive agenda you have there, Jesus, but 
You know, I'm not sure you're seeing all the angles. Perhaps, perhaps we should call in a consultant, give us an expert opinion. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been, all the authority that can be held has been handed to him. And either, either guys, that is a factually true statement or is a factually false statement. Think about that. That's a massive claim. Jesus claims to have all the authority that can be held and either he's right about that claim or he's not right about that claim. If it's false, then nothing else, absolutely nothing else, Jesus has ever said needs to be listened to ever again. It doesn't. Jesus claims to be Lord of all. And if he's not Lord of all, well, then you can't, like, like the other options is, are that he's either a megalomaniac or a lunatic. You can't, you can't make those kind of claims and then put everything else you taught in the category of good moral teaching. He's either who he says he is or he's not who he says he is. But if Jesus really does hold all the authority, if that claim is factually true, then his commands are not suggestions. They are not reasonable agendas that, that we need to put on our docket wherever they happen to fit for us priority-wise. You know, we'll get around to them later if we got some time on our hands. If Jesus is right about his authority, then whatever comes out of his mouth next carries an all-authority in heaven and on earth kind of expectation attached to it. And so he says, therefore, therefore, Make disciples of all nations, meaning make followers of me from all of the other people groups. Evangelize them, baptize them, disciple them, go to them, and teach them to do everything I taught you to do. Are there other things that God's people are called to do? Yeah. Are there other commands from our king? Yes. But there are zero qualifiers and caveats in Matthew 28. He didn't say priority number two, boys. Jesus points to his unparalleled authority and says, this is and will continue to be the business of my people. Make disciples. It's our one job to do. Okay, cool, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Um, so what does that look like? Right, exactly, what does that look like for a church? Right. Thirdly, what does that look like specifically for our church in the calendar year of 2023? Right? Well, this is where creativity and vision casting can finally make appropriate entrances into the conversation. We've got the job. Now we can use the skills and wisdom God has given us to try to accomplish the job. To help us get there, this year to help us achieve such a massive goal. Man, I think we need to aim for three kind of important postures all held in a little bit of a tri-unity, okay? Um, those three expressions of who we are as a church that all feed off of each other and define each other. Uh, those three postures are depth, beauty, and width. Depth, beauty, and width. From my vantage point, I don't know if you see what I see, but from my vantage point, I believe that God has blessed us here with a whole bunch of the first two postures on that list. 
depth and beauty. And if I'm forced into a situation where I can only pick two of the three, those are the two I'm picking without even thinking about it. Depth and beauty. Uh, those are the two that I'm picking without stopping to go, well, let's think about this for a second and try to, try to uh, maximize our potential. No, those are the two I want more than anything else. Make no mistake, I have no interest at all in taking our foot off of the gas pedal uh, this year in those two categories. In fact, we have put some things in place to help us chase after both of those things much better than we have in the past in this, in this next year. A big chunk and a big chunk of what we talked about with, uh, with the, the elder shift last year was rounding out the profile of our leadership beyond just what my eyes and interests have, all right? Uh, that, that we needed more people at the table. It's my expectation that as God begins to fill out our elder team, that he will bring to us other men that help us grow in some needed areas, especially my blind spots. That's part of the goal here. In addition to those structural things, we've got you covered on the program level here too. Not, I, I, I'm fully aware that not everybody is able to be a part of our Wednesday night programming, our, our family meal and our Bible studies, uh, but we also, at the same time, we don't just do that because it's nice to do, right? Not every, like, I don't know if you've noticed, we're kind of program averse around here. We, we don't like adding things to the calendar. We don't like adding things to the budget. No, we are investing time and resources and volunteer hours into something that is specifically designed to help people grow spiritually. We think God will use it. We want to create pathways to chase after spiritual depth for you. It's available to anybody who wants to take advantage of it. But depth isn't our only priority. Beauty here is just as important to us. It's not enough to know the factual details of a scriptural truth. We also want you to we also want the beauty of that truth to be seen and felt and loved and lived in. That's part of the reason why we've taken taken up the task of preaching through the Psalms, right? They're not pure didactic, they're experiential. Meaning they don't just state the truth, they feel the truth. So we're going to keep running back to the Psalms this year, unapologetically so. I think God's using that to, to breathe beauty into our biblical understanding. We also tailored our reading list this year uh, with, with that, that depth and beauty marriage kind of in mind. If you're not familiar, uh, we have a, a pastor's reading list that we put out every year. Uh, they're, they're stacked up on the, uh, uh, the bookshelf out there, or at least most of them. Amazon got all but one of them here in time. I'm sure you didn't deal with that over Christmas yourself. Uh, I was also watching a package not show up. All right, so uh, we put out a, a pastor's reading list every year. We, got, we actually have some kids' books out there this year as well, if you're interested. If you've got a kid, they're, they're there. Uh, some that I think are, are really good. Uh, but we, we put out this reading list every year, and we invite people to, to read along with me, one a month uh, for the year. And, and we can meet for coffee and, and talk about the book or eat, just email back and forth. Though one of those is decidedly more fun, right? Um, but... We put that out there for a reason. And this year, our list goes directly after thinking deeply about a biblical reality and then thinking beautifully about a biblical reality. I promise you, we pushed the gas pedal down hard. We're ready to go. We want, we want to grow in both of these postures this next year and listen if we don't grow in both of these postures it will not be for a lack of resources they're there they're there make the most of them if you want to 
But while depth and beauty are essential for making mature disciples of Jesus, without those two, two postures, in fact, I'm not even sure you're talking about actual disciples, but as invaluable as they are by themselves, depth and beauty all by themselves, they are still insufficient to fulfill all of the expectation that Jesus laid into his command. The go therefore and make disciples of all nations part of the command. Which is why I think we need to spend this next year chasing after width as well. Um, Now here are all the disclaimers. Width as a church by itself, it will not change the world. It, It will not. In fact, it might actually land a bunch of people in hell who think that they know Jesus but have actually got swept up into a movement. A spiritualized movement. Width by itself is not simply misshapen. I think I can make a pretty strong argument that this current cultural trend uh, in Christendom right now uh, to chase after width at the expense of depth and beauty is not just a priority issue. It's an, it's, it might actually be like an enemy-driven, devised tactic to undermine the advancement of the church. Like, like I think there are disclaimers to this. I, I got disclaimers. There are real problems and dangers But our king's command, our king commands that the gospel continue moving out from the center. It doesn't stay static. It doesn't simply dig down deep. It spreads out. No qualifiers, no caveats. It's just assumed. And so that means... Just do the little logic problem in your head. If this is Jesus' command, he either gave us a command that we cannot fulfill faithfully, or it's a command that we have to figure out how to fulfill faithfully. It means that there must be an appropriate way, a faithful way, to continue spreading the net as wide as we can spread it. So how are we going to get to work on that in 2023? Well, four ways, I think. Or at least four ways that I can identify. And just like the guy who came up with them, they're all super revolutionary. Right? Bet you're just going to knock your socks off. You ready? Number one, evangelism, I think, is going to be as important in 2023 as it's ever been in the history of the church. History of capital C, church. The world is growing more and more lost every year. It's time to go. It's time to go. Listen, uh, we are going to continue making our Sunday morning you know, worship time an invitable thing. Like that's, that's something that we think is necessary. You have my word. I promise you that if you manage to drag your lost friend to church, they will hear the gospel that morning. I, I, I'll nail it. I promise you can count on me. They will hear the gospel. Absolutely. I won't let you down. On top of that, both biblical truth and lived reality tell us, teach us, that the church as a people are an attractive thing. I think God has designed the church to, be, to look in such a way that, like, I'm convinced that as, as people outside of the church watch the church live in real life and time and space, it has an eternal effect on people. I don't think people can see what's going on here and not be changed by that. That's absolutely true. I think God has designed the church to be exactly that kind of attractive. But there's something else that's equally true. You ready for it? Your friend does not care what I think about the gospel. 
They just don't. Your friend cares deeply about you and what you think is important and what defines your life, and so give them the gospel. Like, like do the math real quick. They don't, know, they don't care what I think. They care what you think. We've got to do a better job this year of taking the next step to love our friends well. We have to. Now listen, I'm not the guilt trip guy. I hate that when people do that. What I am, though, is to call people, call things exactly what they are, guy. Like, let's stop pretending it's something different than that. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, well, yeah, yeah, that's awkward. I'm just not very good at it. Two things. One, uh, the, the people who see someone in trouble and instead of helping, whip out their cell phone to video it, those are the bad guys in the story, right? We're all agree. We all agree with that? Waiting for the expert to show up instead of doing something? Don't wait for the expert to show up. Do something. But two, you don't have to stay bad at it. You really don't. We got, we got hundreds of options to train you to get better around here. The, the question is, is it worth your time? And again, not the guilt trip guy, but the let's call a spade a spade guy. You want to do something about it? I can help you. Let's go. Well, we've got three more action steps to get through. Evangelism is number one. Number two, we're going to make a big push this year for some outreach stuff. Chris Fahey is our outreach team leader, and she's done, I think, an incredible job this last two years, year and a half, two years, kind of fighting through nonsense. Has anybody else seen that the world's just, just nonsensical right now? At first, COVID shut everything down, and then the threat of people still being scared of COVID shut a lot of stuff down, maybe didn't get planned at, at all. Chris worked really, really hard to try to build up stuff and, and make stuff happen, even though things were falling apart all around her. Um, but she also led us to take our very first real step in a very long time, uh, about a month ago, uh, to do an outreach thing. Um, and so it was the community children's event, the winter party, if you remember. Uh, just like everything else around here, did we, we, we didn't hit all the metrics that we wished for. Uh, we, we wish we had better attendance. We wish all these kinds of things. But growth in a needed area, it's still growth, right? And she's got some plans, guys. She's got some plans to help us take new steps beyond just those first efforts this coming year. She could, she could use some help. Um, we never ever want to be an event-driven church. We, uh, the, our presence in this community is a decidedly gospel-focused one. That's what we want to be about. That's what we aim to be. But it's really, really hard to preach the gospel to people who don't know we're here. So that's what she's trying to help us fix. Change the reality that people know we're here. And we're about to turn Barbara Sousa loose on the women's ministry stuff, so the hurricane is coming. It's a good year to get involved. We got options for you. We're going to work on evangelism. We're going to work on outreach. Number three, we, we need to work towards recruiting and training volunteers in some key areas in our church. We've, we've been blessed with a very long list of incredibly faithful servants around here, but man, they need some help. Um, one of the cons, if you're just sitting down watching it from a distance, one of the cons of having people who are very good at something is that everybody else just lets them do it. Have you ever seen that? It's true at your house, it's true at your workplace, and it's just as true here. When you got somebody who can nail a project, everybody sits back and lets them nail it. It just means that one person's only a, the only person ever doing something. Um, Sunday stuff, Wednesday stuff, 
There's a lot of gears around here that I have to keep spinning to make those things happen. For instance, uh, we've been blessed with a bunch of kids around here lately, uh, but that means that we also need way more child children teachers than we are currently have. Like we need like a dozen more. Um, it's obviously a better problem to have than others. I'd rather need to find teachers than need to find kids. But God's given us the kids, so let's go. We got to step up and fix it. We're also we're always looking for nursery workers. I'm specifically looking right now at this moment for someone who's interested in leading a Wednesday night kind of Bible study for upper elementary school kids. And like you may be thinking to yourself, do we, we have that available? Yeah, we have that available. And I need some help. Uh, it, it's something that, if it's something that you think God has equipped you for, let's talk. Let's talk. I, we do background checks and training for those kinds of things. We, we put resources in your hands. We can get you set up. It doesn't have to be just dump you in the, the deep end and see what happens. We can, we can walk with you through that and get you ready. In addition to that, we need greeters on Sunday mornings, or maybe you play an instrument that would be useful up here on the stage. Right? Like, we want to put you to work. We got some places for you. Like, even if it's only ever often enough that some of these guys get a break once in a while. Maybe it's one Sunday out of six or one Sunday out of ten. I don't know. Right now, I need to... I need to recruit a cooking team for a scattering of Wednesday nights and Wednesday night family meals throughout the next semester. We, we got some spot starts that we need. Just a handful of them over the next five months. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's you. Maybe grab a friend. Come home. We can use some help. Whether, it's a, whether a volunteer position around here is directly involved in our church-wide disciple-making efforts or it's a supporting role that allows someone else to have a direct role in our church-wide disciple-making efforts, the gears that we have here, they, they don't exist just so we can have a fancier or bigger machine than the church down the road for us. We don't play that game. They are investments in a church-wide attempt to accomplish what our king has commanded us to accomplish. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. If we're going to do it, we need to do it well. I see a bunch of places where we could use some help in 2023. There's a long list. Some of those places need mature and maturing disciples to step up. Some of those places are definitely open to people who just showed up here and brought a friend. It's not one or the other, it's both. We've got options. But there's a fourth action step for us this year. Evangelism, outreach, volunteers, number four. Jesus' command assumes that we are to make disciples outside of our normal circles of influence. Yes, inside of our circles of influence, but also outside of our circles of influence. And so a layer of our obedience must be directed towards building the kingdom away from this building. Building the kingdom outside of these walls and places where we don't get the credit for it. I've been talking this last week with a bunch of different folks that we're all connected to and starting to put plans in place for the year ahead, different projects and missions opportunities in 2023. We're, we're going to be ramping up some regular service work for local ministries that we're passionate about, uh, the rescue mission and specifically the, the women's shelter that they just opened. Um, we'll take some steps this year to, to serve our local crisis pregnancy center better than we have in the past uh, in the, in a, at, at the moment. 
the moment, there's still a lot of things up in the air, but at the moment, the plan is for me to take the next step with our Scotland partnership soon. It looks like I'm going to be a part of a trip in maybe March. We'll see what happens uh, with a bunch of other leaders from other churches that are all trying to partner with the Odoms. Uh, we'll start long-term mapping out of projects and people, figure out who, what, and how, right? That's the plan so far. We'll see what God does with it. I'm also currently working out the details for us to help a small church in Massachusetts uh, put on a mini vacation Bible school in August, like a three or four day kind of deal. VBS is something that God has allowed us to be pretty good at. And that means that we've got skills and experience that we can share with others who don't have those same skills and experience. We can, we can help them get better at it. So we're going to do that. Be looking for details coming down the pipe as we get those kind of ironed out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. All these things. But you know what, Stephen? I was kind of looking for the home run trip this year. I was kind of looking for the big deal mission trip. Yeah, get on an airplane, go somewhere exotic, do something fancy for the kingdom of God, and everybody gets to post all the pictures on Facebook. It'd be great. Well, I got you. I got some options for you there, too. Uh, through an organization called Man and Worldwide, we've worked with them in the past. I can point you to trips to Nepal and Fiji this year. Nepal and Fiji. Are those trips expensive? Yes, they are. Flying to the other side of a big round globe ball is going to cost a lot of airplane dollars. It's an expensive trip. Is it a massive commitment? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Will either of those trips change the way forever that you see the world and God and what he has called you to? Yes, they will. I'll push them every time. They are absolutely worth your attention. Five stars, highly recommend. Depth and beauty. And church, as much width as we can manage through appropriate and faithful means this year. We need all three. But we're not shaped the way we need to be shaped. So what do we do with this stuff, right? Like it's, it's a pretty weird Sunday. Normally, like we, we open up the Bible to a specific text. We walk through that text kind of line by line, verse by verse. We apply as we go. And then we try to like call, call people to respond to the specific things that we see in a specific text in a, in a given moment, right? And I promise, we're going to go right back to that model next week. We're going to kick off a series in James. It'll be great, all right? But we talk mostly about ourselves today. That's weird. How can we respond to this? Well, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, the response that you can be a part of is meeting Jesus. We want you to meet him. This, we think this king is worthy of following and being obedient to his command. That's why we're here. I love that you're hanging around, but listen, the unapologetic mission of National Baptist Church is to turn you into a disciple of Jesus. It's what we want for you. It's what we think is best for you. So what are you waiting on? The Bible teaches that your sin, my sin, your sin, all of our sin, it separates us relationally from a holy God. That There's not a person alive, myself especially. Listen, I know my heart. There's not a person alive who can stand before a righteous judge based on our own merit and come off pleasing to him. It's not how that works. I'm not blameless. I'm guilty. So are you. But God has made a way where there 
was no way. Jesus came, he put on flesh and dwelt among us. He lived the sinless life that neither you nor I are capable of living. He died on the cross as an innocent substitute to make payment for your sin. And he was raised again from the dead as a vindication of his perfect and sufficient righteousness. And because he's done those three things, he now stands as king who has conquered sin and death. And he calls on you to respond to him in repentance and faith, to turn away from your sin and to turn to him as Savior and Lord. You can do that this morning. I would love to be helpful to you. Let's talk. Let's talk. What about those of us who are already here and followers of Jesus? What, what's our response to God's word this morning? Well, man, I think you need to answer one very, very important question. What is your one job to do? Not all of ours. Your one job to do. See, it's really, really easy to kind of claim that the church has a measuring stick and it's just one measuring stick, but what about your very own life, Right? Yeah, God has wired you in specific ways. He made you good at this and maybe not so good at that. But disciples, apparently, according to Jesus, disciples make other disciples. That's what they're about. And that's going to flesh itself out differently in each and every one of us. Not everybody is, we don't all make disciples in the same way. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, my personality is different than yours. I'm loud and abrasive sometimes. You may be less so. But the command of our king is never up for suggestion. It's not for, there are no caveats and loopholes here. It's never a possibility for your life. It is an ongoing purpose of your life. So maybe, maybe you're beginning to put plans together for this next year. You bought a new calendar app on your phone. You're starting to put those little things in there. All the, all the hopes and dreams you have for a year to come. Maybe trying to get more organized, whatever it is. How much is your one job to do influencing the shape of that brand new calendar? Follower of Jesus, our response to God's word this morning is the same as it is every single week. We repent of sin and we lean into what God reveals about himself in the text. And this year, this, this week, this text, he is king, we are not. What are we going to do about it? You want a good year? I want a good year. Do you want a good year? I've got a life hack above all other life hacks. Worry less about what is fading and more about what is eternal and you will be judged for. That's, that's, aim for that this year. It'll be a good year. No matter what everything else ends up looking like. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. However God's word is calling us to respond this morning. Let's do that together as a church family. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for a timeless command. And yeah, it's heavy today. Thank you for not only being the king who carries all authority, but the king who tenderly brings us along in obedience. There are a thousand ways I can look at 2022 and see myself as a failure. And yet you are good. And you know our frame. And you call us to find rest in you even as you call us to obedience to you. I change our hearts to love your command more than the other things we chase after. God, we got it. we've got ambitions as a church. We, we want to do this, we want to do that, we want to do a thousand other things. 
We pray that you give us wisdom to not only chase after those things, but change the, the game plan if you decide that that's not where you want us to go. Father, for those in here who don't know you yet, would you make yourself known? Best part of the year. Reveal yourself to some people today. Open eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to know you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.